Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Between the glimmerings lies a silence, the pause before the pint, the sudden eyes before an embrace, that something clicking, click, click, click. May life be an endless loop of realising that we both happen to be in the same town on the same day with an evening to kill. Here, in the moon underwater. Did you head down to the Glen today at all? Mm, yes, I went to the Glen. The, um, the Emerald Glen. The Emerald Glen. I have to say, the trees are in the most extraordinary bloom. They really are, aren't they? Yes, yeah, beautiful. It was almost, but it was almost like the flowers in the trees. Yeah, yeah. I don't, know what, I don't know what they're on about. What do you mean? Well, the trees. You don't know what they're on about? I have no idea what they're on about with these beautiful blooms bursting forth. And at, and, at, and, at, and at this season, trees don't mean anything, John. Flowers don't mean anything. You know, they just are. Oh, oh, how how ignorant, how naive! I think the trees were trying to tell us something, Robin. Yeah, go on. Because can you see out of the uh, the bow windows here? Yeah, the petals of the blooms sweeping across the street. I can almost as if in celebration of an arrival. Yes. Okay. I think you're being very subjective, though. I don't think there's any real meaning in the movements of the petals, but carry on. Oh, well, oh, you think you're going to have to eat your own medicine. Okay. uh, Because uh, they're now spelling out the words arrival imminent. Oh, great. The petals and the blooms and the the pollen in the air. That's quite wordy, isn't it? Could they not just have done sort of like rugby or something like that? Just the word rugby. They they could have done the word rugby, but they chose not to because they know their own mind. Okay, so they're spelling out arrival imminent. <laughs> yes, and I think actually, Robin, after we've spoken to today's guest, you owe 
the Blooming Trees in the Glen an apology. Okay. And I'll expect to see you down there making your amends and sacrifices in the babbling brook. Okay, I will. I shall. And they're not lying, because here he is at the door, walking into the moon underwater. It's Joe Marler. Hello, Joe. (laughs) I've got hay fever. I did wonder. Why the bloody hell are the flowers and the trees? Mm. They've done it to stitch me up. I'm trying to come in nice and smooth, and I've got hay fever. They've really stitched me up here. Don't worry, we've got various uh, eye drops. In fact, uh, the moon underwater will just sort of provide you with an ambient mist, if needs be, to clear the sinuses. I, I would, I've, I've forgotten to say hello. First of all, hello. Hello, hello to you, um, sir. I do have a question. Is, uh, are we actually underwater? Now, that is a very good question that no one's ever asked before. We are in the correct realm, and it is in some ways adjacent to the other realm where you've come from this evening using your pr- prodigious heft uh, to break through the realm barriers. Now, we're certainly not underwater in the sense that, you know, you don't drown when you go outside, but were you to go up into the heavens far enough, who knows, maybe you might surface into a kind of third realm? So you've, you've confused me with this realm chat because the only it's very straightforward realm, stuff, Joe. No, the the realm memories I have, um, or the, the the things that I can actually remember are from Mortal Kombat. Ah, yeah. Um, ah, there was the Nether Realm. Yeah. Um, there was a another realm. Well, imagine in Mortal Kombat if there was a realm where the the pubs that all of the characters really wanted to go to sort of revealed themselves in this sort of perfect timeless town um so think sort of semi gast semi his dark materials lyra's oxford you're on the right track and and no fighting everyone in, in every one of those characters agrees to no fighting they put all their differences aside to enjoy the moon underwater yeah, no fighting. It's a bit like playing, like, you know, Street Fighter 2. You remember the background? There were just people kind of moving, you know, like animated figures like that. It's a bit like yeah. the moon underwater is ju- it's just that. So there's no fighting in the foreground. It's ju- just the background. So so are we... When, I, when, I've, when I've walked into this pub, I'm now 2D. Yes, yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, so yeah. we're all 2D. Yes, yes, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Very yeah. much I'm, so. I'm yeah. very, very much excited about. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of pixelated as well, um, and uh, sometimes uh, you, when you're reaching for a pint, your arm just keeps stretching and stretching like Dal Sim. Dal Sim, fantastic character, really good. He had some great style on him as well. He was I like f- the... very slow, very slow. <laughs> yeah, but it's distance. We had to ban playing as Dal Sim because it was too easy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, fireballs and and go for the legs with your long arms and legs. I model myself mainly on Zangief. Zangief, oh, you yes. look a bit like Zangief. I, I, there's a little bit of blanker in there. Yeah, there is a little bit of blanker. I'm glad you pronounced that right. Joe, could you do the spinning pile driver? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can do a version of the spinning pile driver. 
<laughs> I could never do it, uh, the spinning power driver of Zangief. What really let you down then? Well, you had to kind of rotate your thumb around all the buttons on the Super Nintendo. Ah, I just couldn't sorry. do it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Robin. I, I thought you meant, could I do it in real life? Oh, in life? real life, right. No, no. Could no. you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Joe, there's no escaping the fact that you are a rugby player. We've got to, we've got to deal with that head on. Robin and I, I think, have a similar experience of rugby, and I'm not sure if it's ever something you've thought about, but if if you come to rugby at school as someone who's not cut out for rugby, it is one of the most hellish experiences on earth because it becomes a form of legitimised assault where those people at school who are perhaps bigger than you and might bully you and get told off for that in break times suddenly can earn awards, commendations, colours for assaulting you for an hour on a muddy rugby pitch. I'm sensing um, some anger towards my sport. Is that right? I have an awful lot of respect for certain elements of professional rugby that I think other sports could learn from, e.g. the way that players... Uh, behave with the referee e.g. the way that fans love the game as much as they love their team and therefore can be mixed in the stadium and drink in the stadium without huge issues I I like the formations but I don't think they come across very well on TV um, but I think they do from the, the stadium if you're high up <laughs> high up away from the pitch almost to the point where you can't see it. So it's actually irrelevant whether you're there or not. Well, I think the things, the way the cameras focus on individual players, you can't actually see necessarily the lines that are going on. Um, uh, I So those are the things I like. <laughs> I just didn't like getting the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> who do, who do, you've got to be a very, very perverse person if you enjoy getting the shit kicked out of you. But also, I think I, I was just wanted to ask, like when you when you were first playing rugby at school, you must have been like so good and big. Were you sort of conscious of the experience of kids who were just like just desperate for no for the ball to go nowhere near them, <laughs> or were you at like a rugby school? No, I well that's the thing. I don't have many school memories of rugby because I went to a, a comprehensive, so we just played football. Um, it, and I wasn't introduced to rugby until I was about 12. And it was a mate that turned around to me. I, I had quite a lot of anger issues growing up. And I was always quite a heavy set lad. Really enjoyed the food. And um, would always sort of mark my birthdays with my weight. So if I was nine, I'd... I, I was nine stone when I was 10. I was 10 stone. I was always being quite proud of that. Um, so rugby sort of found me because I had a lot of this anger. We tried various different things to to channel it. But in finding rugby, you described it perfectly already, that it essentially was a legal way of expressing that anger in a controlled environment, of which I didn't really learn until about... Three or four years ago, I just used it as an excuse to not get arrested for whacking someone. Wow. <laughs> well, imagine you're 12 and... No, imagine you're 18 and you're 18 stone 
and I'm and I'm 18 and I'm 10 and a half stone and I'm absolutely terrified of you but you know that you can clatter me can you see the fear in my eyes I can see the fear I can see it but you've also got to remember you're quite light and able to run I can't run I've never been able to run oh I could run I could run away (laughs) <laughs> oh, rug- rugby for me was essentially running away. Well, this was my experience of rugby was that I I was quite fast, and I was I would I remember being on the wing during an interform final, and this is my memory of it that I I ran and ran with the ball, and kind of ran past everyone, and I got to the uh, the touch line and I dropped the ball, and that doesn't count, does it, as a try? <laughs> I just pictured. That scene in Forrest Gump, yeah, he's doing American football, and you were just in the version of just carried on running, just carried on running with the ball through the crowd. He's crowds. gone. Yeah, I'm leaving now. Yeah. I've played my part. I'm leaving, and I'm taking the ball with me. Yeah, but because it wasn't a try, it was very, it was a very embarrassing moment. But um, you know, I don't know. So that my 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 experience of rugby wasn't that kind of fear of sort of physical violence, which was John's. Mine was the almost fear of the kind of. Um, I don't know that N- learning the rules. Yes, basically, sort yeah. of fear yeah, of humiliation because yeah, yeah. all eyes are on you when you have got the ball. Yes, yeah, yeah. I had a similar thing with cricket. I think where if if the ball comes to you, you're like, oh god, <laughs> that kind of fear. Any game that has rules. Yes, fear. Yes, yeah. Rugby has more than any other sport like a real drinking culture around it. And I know people for whom the rugby club is like the centre of their world, even if they're not sort of active rugby players. Does does there come a point as a... A, why, why do you think that is? And B, does there come a point as a professional where you sort of have to exercise yourself of that sort of boozy culture? Or does it just continue at all levels of the sport? Uh, rugby's relationship with alcohol... Um, I think as you touched on earlier, it's always been quite a positive relationship, you know, because a lot of people involved in the game love the game. And yes, you're part of this team, you're part of that club, but they're there for the sport and they're there to enjoy it. And it's a bit of a community feel to it and it, and the drinking has been part of it and there's also been a lot of negativity around drinking culture in rugby particularly in the uni side of things but universities have got <laughs> it's not just rugby drinking cultures in universities it's a lot of weird creepy shit in universities um so and it's also I don't know, it's always, all, all, for me, my experiences of it, they've always been used, alcohol has always been the best tool to gel a team, you know, particularly teams that are, are new and getting to know each other. They're, that's the best tool for the majority of the, the the players to let their hair down, get to know each other the best and in a, in a positive way. And m- most of my drinking experiences have come as a result of rugby but there must come a point a bit like when Arsene Wenger turned up at Arsenal and was like you're all hung over and eating chips for lunch before a game you you know we need to stop this there must come a point where you know that social aspect of a new team gelling is done 
and does the coach then say right we've got we've got like autumn internationals you can't drink for three months yeah the, 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 that has happened and it still happens and i think the the generation coming through now sort of buy into that more the younger kids coming through because the younger generation are different full stop you know they seem to be a lot more into their health and looking after you don't see a lot of them smoking you don't see a lot of them wanting to work in the week save up the money to go on the piss at the weekend at the pub um so that's similar in rugby but i've never um unfortunately i've never really towed the line with that i've i've always found alcohol i've always i've always trusted my capabilities with alcohol that it didn't turn into a negative relationship so i've always found it a really good release alongside playing rugby so have you or do you know people who have for example played for england hungover (laughs) because surely in the world of elite sport marginal gains are everything and if your opponents haven't had a drink for four weeks and you're hanging they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have an advantage you say that i mean i've played some of my best games Hungover. Wow. wow. I've I've played some of my best games still half cut. <laughs> I mean, I definitely find being hungover sometimes gives you a manic energy. But yeah. I don't know if it's enough of a manic energy to play a game of professional rugby. It, it, for me. Yeah, but you throw in a cocktail of uh, a huge amount of caffeine, adrenaline, you go out in the crowd, you kind of forget about the hangover for about an hour because that's, that's as long as I can last and then they'll haul me off and then I'll go and spew in the... In the changing rooms, have a shower, freshen up, and then you feel good. Wow. I just assumed it was all, like, hyper-nutrition now and, like, sort of they're monitoring all... Because in... in Oh, it is. It is, right. Yeah, no, it is. I just haven't um, (laughs) caught up. (laughs) I just very much haven't caught up with that system yet. Yeah, sure. So could could you tell us about what... Sort of the the rugby club is quite a pub-adjacent place... What were your early rugby club experiences? What were they like? Um, I'm told I grew up in pubs and I grew up in the rugby club because my dad played rugby for the local team and he was also a heavy drinker. And I'm told I would be passed around when my mum would be working and dad would take me down to the rugby club and he'd have to play and I'd be passed around the mums to look after during the game. Um, and I remember growing up at that same rugby club in the, the porter cabins out back that were turned into a bar and the carpet was all sticky. with <laughs> It would be stuck to your feet and as you're walking up to the bar and then I'd be constantly slapped around the ear because I'd be sat at the bar on one of the bar stools and they'd be like, no, bugger off, get back in the corner or go play outside. But I wanted to be in there. I wanted to hear all the stories that, everyone was talking about and also getting amongst it a bit um and also pubs you know i'd get picked up from school and then we'd nip into the local local pub it would be the star or uh the runting ton whereabouts did you grow up where was this i grew up in east sussex a little town in east sussex and there's a lovely set of pubs down here um so I was around alcohol a lot, although a lot, a lot of the the relationship that my parents had with it were predominantly negative. Um, 
I grew into actually going the opposite way and enjoying it more. And I guess the balance of starting out in professional rugby, I didn't I had to sort of toe the line to a degree, but I couldn't because I really enjoyed drinking. Do you know the Vinipola brothers? <laughs> I know them well. They went to my school. Surely would that be Eton? No, no, no. They went to the, Harrow. the Castle School. It's a comprehensive in, in Thornbury. Thornbury. I'm sure Billy went on to... Ah, that was sixth form, was it? He went on to Harrow. Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. We took slightly different paths at sixth form. I went. I just stayed at the, the Castle School. But we <laughs> they, they would have been... Might potentially have been taught rugby by my form tutor, Mr. Pern, who I think used to play for Bath. Oh, Mr. Pern. He was quite an extraordinary chap, but uh, it always, it always, because he would have been dealing for years and years and years, because they were there after me. Like I just only know this from Wikipedia, but he would have been dealing for for years with you know kids who perhaps weren't very good at rugby, and it was his passion. And then suddenly got two two England players in the same year, two world superstars, unbelievable. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, we now move on, uh, Joe, to your, your dream pub. Now, this pub is anything you want it to be. We'll talk about what it might look like later, but we need to start with two draft options. I have a question. Good. Why is it draft? Because I look at that word mm. and I go, well, that that doesn't say draft. That says draught. <laughs> it's a good cue. This has always confused me. Growing up, yeah, I'd look yeah. at that and I obviously understood, oh, what's on tap? That's fine. But then it would be like draught, draught. And it wasn't until I became an adult and went heard people saying it's draft. I was like, shit, I've been saying it wrong all these years. Well, do you know what, uh, Joe? In the in the sort of minutes of the meetings we have here at the Moon Underwater, I write down everyone's choices in all the different categories. 
and we we keep them in sort of leather bound tomes and you've just made me realize i've been spelling draft wrong f- ever since we started uh having people here at the moon underwater right i've been spelling it with an f so that's why i say it draft because <laughs> it'd be odd to call it draught if it was d-r-a-f-t it's got nothing to do with wind either has it you know, no. oh, it's drafty out there. Well, I guess you draft it from the from the barrel, like you would draft someone for the army, or is that a different spelling, Robin? I, I, Rob, Robin's a better word guy than me. I haven't got a clue, to be honest with you. <laughs> really? No, I don't know why it's called draft, no. No, it's definitely nothing to do with joining the army. It's definitely nothing to... I, I mean, we're going off topic here, I'm it's, sorry. It's about the it, same as the board game drafts, isn't it? Hmm. Oh, no, it is spelled... Hmm. Huh. Oh, so you you so it also means to to drink. So you might down a beer in one draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. This is this is the sort of stuff I want to go to a pub for. Yeah. It's a similar word to drought, isn't it? Which is spelt where you don't pronounce the gh as an as a as an f sound, which is quite an interesting uh, interesting little observation there. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to ask the history of English podcast. We'll have to ask Kevin from that how, how why. But anyway, what are your two draught options? <laughs> Apologies. Yes, my first draught option. Um, it's, it's pretty book standard, really, but um, it's a Guinness. Mm. No problem there. I've, I've got one in my hand right now. Guinness is just oh, it just fills me. Well, a it fills me up. Oh. <laughs> What have we? You opening another one, are you? Speak of the devil. Have you got? Can I just have a look at your glass, please? Is it a Guinness glass? Uh, no, I do have a Guinness glass. This is just uh, my favourite pint glass, which is just the perfect. Look at the size of the base. Right. Yeah, it's got a very thick base. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's one of those glasses that started to whiten from dishwasher use, but Ooh. I don't mind. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this the other day because we love a Guinness. Whenever he pops round. We'll also always crack open a Guinness, but we haven't got any Guinness glasses, and it really fucking gets on our tits <laughs> because it doesn't. It does not feel the same out of a a Peroni glass. Oh yeah, or or one of those stemmed um, like Stella glasses you get. It doesn't no. feel the same, and it actually affects the taste. Mm. And uh, that reminds me, I need to buy some off of Amazon. <laughs> um, so I will. But I'm going with Guinness. I. I remember having my first Guinness at 12. Whoa, la la. And that was on a Sunday morning. And it followed every Sunday. Thereafter, after our game of rugby, me and my best friend, uh, we would have half a pint of Guinness and a Mars bar. Oh, woo. Wow. Woo. I wasn't sure what noise to make then because I sort of, I like the idea, but also I'm aware that you were very underage. (laughs) Well, it was, I guess it was a tradition. It was was my my mate's dad that started it. He said, go on, get some Guinness down here. You know, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Hearty drink. Um, It's full of iron. You know, it's a great recovery drink. (laughs) (laughs) Just be proud of it. And then he'd order us two half pints and we'd be sat there in the rugby club and they'd sort of be like, oh, right, okay, well, luckily I've had this beard since I was nine. (laughs) Um, 
so I managed to get away with it for so long. So that they were my early memories of Guinness. And who was the first England rugby player to grow a massive beard? Because it does seem quite a sort of fashion. Massive England rugby player beard. There's not been many. If you th- there's not. They, we tend to go for the clean cut stereotype of public school boy, short back and sides. No beard allowed. I do actually remember Sir Clive Woodward, bless him. I mean, I say bless him, he's not dead. Why am I blessing him? I think I just thought that's what you have to do with Knights of the Realm. Another realm. Another realm. Another realm. Yeah, another Excellent. realm. Um, he wrote an article once saying that I should shave my beard. It was unacceptable that I had such a long beard because elite sport is all about marginal gains and the marginal gain I would have made without a beard would have made me quicker. Really? Well, if only he'd known how hungover you were. <laughs> well, the... <laughs> he might have said, OK, keep the beard. Your beard looks pretty aerodynamic to me, there I've is got to that, say. Yeah. Well, I also argued the fact that my beard is not going to make me quicker. The fact that I've only got fucking slow twitch muscle fibres is probably why. And a lack of... Um, Motivation to move probably <laughs> contributes to me not being that fast. So we, we're the same height, but according to Wikipedia, you weigh seven and a half stone more than me. And I'm guessing that is all that is all brute strength. Uh, whatever Wikipedia says, that is definitely how much I weigh. Okay, okay. Well, as soon as you get a Wikipedia page, they call you in t- for a weighing, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Might have, you might have put on or lost since then, but... I mean, I, I remember my Wikipedia weighing was alongside um, um, Joss Stone and um, uh, Keith Allen. You weighed in alongside Joss Stone. And Keith Allen, yeah. Uh, Keith was quite late in getting a Wikipedia page because no one could discern what his talent was. Uh, so they couldn't actually describe what it was he did. Um, but yeah, so no, yeah, they were at my way in and my measuring. Your your thoughts on Guinness on tap? Fine, bog standard. When it's done right, it's the best drink on earth. It is, it is just fantastic. I haven't had any bad experiences with Guinness. It is What? You, you seem like such a balanced person. How are you able to have not had a bad experience with Guinness? <laughs> I think it's like uh... I came very I came very close at the end at one of the end of year socials. Yeah. 2 years ago, um where the team traveled down to Brighton for one of our 4-day events. Um and in a pub that we had hired out separately um we were getting a bit leery a little bit jovial some might say um to which some of the academy boys i was walking across across the main room to go outside for um some fresh air of which they started chanting we've never seen marla down a pint and i just got a brand new guinness in my hand and it was that sort of peer pressure moment where a load of kids are shouting at me and I have to do this, otherwise the respect levels will just go completely out the window. So I downed it, to which I got a fabulous cheer and then I was handed a second pint, a second perfectly poured pint, ah. of which they said, we've never seen Marla down two beers. <laughs> 
And I thought, fuck, I'm going to have to go again. And I was already quite full to the brim here, mm. quite full to the brim. And I said, so be it. And I, I did that on the head as well. To which I was then handed a third. Ah. Perfectly poured Guinness. I'm not sure I'd fit in with the rugby fraternity. <laughs> and it was that moment I went, fine, I'll do it. And there was a there was an astonishment that I'd actually gone through with it. And then there was a, a small murmuring of, we've never seen Marla down four pints. To which it, I just gave one look and then it just went silent. Oh, nice. Um so the reason I tell that story is because I said I've never had a bad experience with Guinness until I then went outside for some fresh air and completely emptied my guts of the three Guinnesses I'd just nicked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you said bad experience, I thought you meant badly poured pints, <laughs> which is a, a blight on especially this nation's capital. Yes. Um, but I've no, I've never had a bad, like... I've n- I've never been. You can't. You uh, well. You obviously you can drink it very fast, but you. It's not really a drink you want to down. No, you want to enjoy it. The only the only time you down it or the the small moment you down is when you're trying to play the uh, split in the harp game. Have you played split in the harp? Oh yeah. Yeah, I thought I think it's been. I've heard it called splitting the e, which obviously does sound quite nefarious as well, but. Where you get to the the middle of the E in the in Guinness? Yeah, I I just think splitting the harp is safer in professional rugby because you split the E, people get confused whether you're going well. I'll have half that ex- ecstasy, you have half that. I just don't want to murky the waters. No, sure, sure. Joe, we're only on your first choice. Apologies, yeah. I waffle on, and, I, and I'm I'm quite pissed. So, um, <laughs> what's what's <laughs> what's your second choice for draft, please? Uh, I have a I have. Uh, I'm a big fan of Aspels. Mm. Big fan. Mm. I can't understand. I'd like to know why they spell it with a Y. Is that for like oldie English? Well, yeah, and um, I'm sure I've said this before, but the moon underwater, my friend Blake said that their tagline should be see wider. Like, side the Aspels makes you see wider. Um, it's a lovely idea. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't actually make me see wider. No, it doesn't, no. But I always call it see wider when I see Aspals. Yeah. I, I love an Aspals. I, I love an Aspals. But I also love a bog standard Stouford Press. Ooh, oh, now you're talking Robin's language. And the reason I love Stouford Press is it's a great flavour to it, but the bubbles are fantastic. Yes, they really are. They're not too bubbly. They're, they're, they're like the size of the bubbles. The, it's the reason why I enjoy drinking San Pellegrino water, mm. sparkling water, because I'm very particular about my bubble size. Yeah. And they've got great bubbles and stove. So I'm going to have to go with Stover Press because of the bubble size. I, I've got to say, Joe, I, I, I wouldn't say you're a lad. I haven't heard many lads talk about the care of, the, you know, the, how important bubble size is to them. So is that? I mean, we've talked a bit about the kind of drinking culture about around rugby, but there's a, there is a big kind of laddish culture around rugby. But you seem to you seem to be able to separate yourself from that. I think there is there is a positive way of having laddish behaviour in rugby, and it tends to come in the form of behind closed doors mm. with your own team. You can have that because. I 
cannot fucking stand it. If I'm out with everyday friends or with the family and there's a big old lad party, particularly rugby players out in the park and just the chance and all that lot going, I'm like, fucking hell, lads. Can't, can't, honestly, can you keep that bit behind closed doors? Do you know what I mean? So you're able to sort of compartmentalise different sides of your character. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm able. I try. Mm. I do try. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, because I enjoy nothing more than sitting in the corner of a pub in quiet and just having a quaff with four or five friends just talking about why is it called draft? Yes. And not draught. Yeah. And where does draught come from? And then you, you go off on a tangent and fuck knows where. And I, that's what I really, really enjoy. Amen to that. This is already shaping up to be a, a, a pub selection I would dearly love to quaff in a corner with Guinness and Stoford Press, but you've now got two choices for cans and or bottles. So my bottle choice, my first bottle choice, um, I don't know if I'm allowed this, I, di- I didn't know the actual T's and C's, but I guess if it's my pub I'm making up, I kind of can have what I want. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, of course. Okay, okay, fine. So I love red wine. Real, real big fan of red wine, and I discovered after after meeting a wine. She wasn't a sommelier; she was someone who just liked wine. I think <laughs> that called herself a wine expert. Uh, she introduced me to. I love, I loved a, I love a Pinotage, and I love a Malbec. Mm. I said I can't choose between them, and she went, "Why don't you try this one?" It's a Pinotage Malbec blend. Eight quid from Sainsbury's. I went, what? And I found it. I discovered it. I found it. I took it home. I drank it. And I drank it again. And I drank it again. And it was absolutely wonderful. Mm. So my first bottle choice would be a Pinotage Malbec blend. From Sainsbury's. Is it Sainsbury's Taste the Difference? No, it's a uh, Bruce Jack's. Ooh. Yeah, delightful. And uh, my my red wine love developed, I'd say, in the last six years. I always thought, what the fuck? I'm not putting that. That is horrible. I'm not going anywhere near that. Um, and then Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, came in to uh, take over the England get, uh, England job. And he was a big red wine drinker. And I remember coming around, him coming around after one of the games in the first year with a bottle of red going around make encouraging boys to actually socialize and have a drink and enjoy each other's company and it was there i was like right okay i'm not really a big red fan but it's like yeah mate yeah go for it and i was like yeah 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 that's great yeah 
and then looking away in disgust, like, how the fuck am I going to drink this? <laughs> this is horrible. But then I started to develop it, and uh, I can't get enough of it now. It makes me a happy drunk. There's been some drinks in the past that make me a bad drunk, but red wine, staying on that for most of the night, that will make me a happy drunk, and that is what I would like to encourage people to do at my pub. Oh, well, that's nice. It's quite punchy at 14.5%, but that's it's a full-bodied red. Oh, delightful. <laughs> uh, superb choice, Bruce Jack's Pinotage Malbec. Uh, what would be your second bottle or can? You can't go wrong for me in a summer, hot summer's day, and you crack open an ice-cold Corona, and you put in a slice of lime, you, you squeeze it round the top, you put the slice of lime in, and then you put your thumb over the top, and you tip it up slightly, uh, tip it up di- upside down very carefully so that the lemon so that the lime goes all the way to the bottom, but it's the top because I've tipped it up. I'm confusing myself here. And then you take it back to its original position and you enjoy a wonderful drink on a hot, hot summer's day. It makes me feel like um, one of Andy Dufresne's (laughs) prison mates. It It makes me feel like I'm on top of a roof and I'm tarmacking a roof and I'm like, hey, I just picture myself going... Hey, Andy, cheers for this. I think a man feels more like a man if he's got a bottle of cold suds in his hand. That's every time. All I ask is three beers apiece for my co-workers. (laughs) He's he's asking quite a lot there, isn't he? Three beers each. Three beers apiece, yeah. It was a big old roof, though. It was. was, And it it was very hot. Do you trust your wife? What did you say? (laughs) I mean, do you think she'd go behind your back to try and screw you over? This guy's about to have himself an accident. John's seen it a lot. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Robin, do you want to break Joe's heart or shall I? Oh, no. Well, you know, we had Pete Brown on, excellent beer writer, who said Corona is the worst beer on the market, I think, because of clear glass. If it's beer, any beer in a clear glass is basically goes off. Yeah, he said every bottle of Corona ever sold has gone off. Yeah. Because the light gets to it. That's why beer is in dark glasses. So as soon as the light hits it, it's done. Well, A, that's a fantastic quaff segment that we would have an argument about Mm, or mm, a discussion, mm. which is great. But B, fucking Stilton has got a shit ton of mould on it. (laughs) Yeah, Oh, the opposing view and not a bad one. Yeah. But imagine if Andy Dufresne had bought out three chunks of Stilton for the boys. <laughs> He's there, they're all there on top of the roof, sweating their tits off, and they've worked a full day. And he's gone, here you go, lads, fill your boots with three chunks of stilton. Massive, massive wheel of stilton. <laughs> oh, God, your mouth. Oh, God. I think a man feels more like a man if he's got a cave-age Stilton in his hand. Yeah. I'm not sure that... I'm not sure, Andy. Can we have beer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to seem ungrateful, but... Yeah. Uh, no, it's lovely. Is it is lovely. I like it, but... It's yeah. just a lot of... It's just a lot, Andy. <laughs> yeah. And they're sort oh. of finishing the roof, and they've, they've only managed to get through half a 
cube of still I'm just picturing that film being remade <laughs> and they're giving her out Sussex Blue instead. Oh, God's sake. Oh, that'd be, it would be a different oh. film. Oh, okay, so so it, it's the worst beer on the market. Yeah, okay, but, fine. But there's no judgment because if you like it, you like it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't like it. I love it. That's uh, that's a... Uh, it's a big moment for me when summer comes around and you go, right, it's hot enough now. I'm going to work up a sweat by walking up some stairs <laughs> <laughs> and then cracking open a Corona. Well, superb choices so far from Joe Marler. We've got Guinness, Stouford Press, uh, Bruce Jack's Pinotage Malbec and bottles of Corona on a hot summer's day. But we now must leave his dream pub to ask Robin to tickle our brains with the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thank you, John. Yes, welcome to the Moon Underwater pub quiz. And this week it's a very sporting pub quiz as I ask three questions about the Summer Olympics. As usual, the answers will be in part two of the show. So join me for a summer of sport. Um, so, yeah, how do you feel about this? We're going to do three questions about the Olympics. Do you, how do you feel about pub quizzes in general and... And do you think you'll do well? I love a pub quiz. Mm. I love a quiz full stop, actually. I used to attend several pub quizzes um, in my academy days. Um, really enjoyed the pitch rounds more often, if I'm honest. There was also this one at the King's Head in Guildford. Um, they did a drawing round. Oh, that's that. nice. I like that. Yeah, that, that, sound, that got really arty at times. So I do love a quiz. Although, and I did used to host a quiz um at one of the local pubs when my mother and sister had that pub as well so every tuesday night i would host the the quiz at the prince of wales um but it was too much admin where was the prince of wales in heathfield in east sussex so your mum was a landlady uh was she a landlady well she worked in a pub well they lived they lived in the pub and they ran the pub does that make them a landlady sounds like a landlady to me <laughs> Sounds a bit like a classic landlady death. Probably then, yep. No, that makes sense. Oh, well, we have to find out more about this in the second part. Uh, But Robin, hit us with your uh, Olympiad. Yes, the Olympian questions begin here. So question one, which was the first city to host the Summer Olympics for a third time? So which was the first city to host the Olympics three times, or thrice, if that's uh, how how you want to say it? Question two is a future Olympics, a three-part question. Which cities will host the Summer Olympics in 2024, 2028, and 2032? They're up to there already. So the next three Olympics, where will they be held? And question three, what is the northernmost city at which the Summer Olympics have been held? So what's the northernmost city at which the Summer Olympics have been held? Mm, Good cues. Could you just repeat uh, question one for me, please? Okay, question one was, 
Which was the first city to host the Summer Olympics for a third time? Okay, thank you. A superb pub quiz from the lovely Robin. And we now leave you folks uh, to end part one of this fantastic discussion with Joe Marler. Uh, If you want to support this hallowed pub, go to moonunderpod.com and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Six pounds for which you get bonus podcast, advance warning of live events, you get in the draw to have your name read out in the patron's poem. You also get ad-free extended episodes. What's not to like? Uh, but for now, we bid you adieu, and we'll see you back in part two. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help. I sexted my boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help as Sex and My Boss Live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexofmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexofmyboss.com slash cinema.